Well, this morning, um, we're going to be continuing our uh, series on Everyday Disciple and coming off the heels of talking about our vision as a church and uh, moving into what we see in the not-too-distant future, Advent is upon us, believe it or not, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You know that's the first Sunday of Advent where we start the Christmas season in the church world. Man, it's coming. And so... Um, I really wanted us to focus on what does it take to to do what we talked about doing in our vision series and 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 we don't need to make this very complicated because we really need to understand what it is to be an everyday disciple and that's the whole focus of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks and you know as we think about uh where the church is and what's going on in the church there's like statistics that all sorts of companies do, and and they can be Christian companies. Most of them are non-Christian companies that do these things, but they have some research lingo when it comes to the church, and the lingo is this. Nuns and duns. There's a category of people that are called nuns, and there's a category of people called duns. And here's what it means. Nuns, these are the folks that have little to no experience in the church or the Bible at all. Like, their parents never took them type thing. And they aren't really aware of, they they know Jesus is a historical figure, you know, something of that nature. And when asked what religion are you, they say, what do you think? If they're called nuns, they say, none, right? Thank you. Three of you get a star for the day. Nice job. Um, Yeah, they say none. But as you drill down into that category of people, these nuns, what what, uh, these uh, experts started to see was there was, a why is there a reason that you're a, a nun? And and I don't mean nun like the nun, N-U-N. You get what I'm saying, right? Why is there a reason that you are you know, in this category of people? And, and there was an alarming amount of people that they now call the term duns. This means they do have uh, a church history. Maybe they grew up in the church. Maybe they met the Lord. Maybe they, they went to church when they were a teenager in college or whatever. And then after a while... They were like, hey, I've been there, done that. I'm done with the church. And there's a rising number of those folks. And what, you th- what I think we will see is that those people that are like, hey, I'm just done with the church are going to grow up, uh, have kids, and raise kids that are kind of like never even introduced to God. That's a problem. It's a growing number. But... I'm here to tell you this. It's not the biggest problem we have in the church today. The biggest problem that we have in the church today um, are the people that are nominal Christians. Like Christian in name only type of thing. And I don't mean like, hey, I haven't been to church in a long time. There's there's a, a lot of us in here today that can say, I haven't been to church in a long time. Why? We had a pandemic. Okay, like that, that's understandable. I'm not talking about just even, hey, I'm at church every Sunday. This is a different type of person, somebody that claims to be a believer, um, but there's like a surface level or a non-committal, you know, uh, life on their part. You're like, really? And, and if you really start to dig into this person, it, it's, it's a very shallow, non-committal faith And that doesn't make disciples. It's not my rule. This is God's rule. And 
why would somebody even be attracted to a flimsy faith? I mean, if, if your faith only changes your Sunday morning schedule, okay, so what? Like, this is about literally an invitation that Jesus gives us to be a disciple. And this is something that is like, you know, where we see that a genuine faith impacts every part of our lives. How we use our time, how we spend our money, how we work, how we treat our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, the poor, I mean, whatever it is. This type of faith impacts our character, our, our, our ethics, how we even value things in life. In short, the Christian disciple, we are called to take our faith very seriously. And I'm here to tell you that if everybody really followed Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, a lot of the problems we have nowadays are, wouldn't be as much as they are. They'd still be there, but they wouldn't be as bad because we would be raising generations of followers of Christ. So there's a disconnect. There, there, there is something. So in today's passage, what we see that Jesus makes it very clear as we learn what it takes to be an everyday disciple. And I'm here to tell you, it's not by doing more. I'm going to talk about that at the very end, but I want to just set that in your mind and in your heart right now, because right now, if you're human, there's this urge with you going like, okay, what's my to-do list? Like, what do I do so that I can be a better disciple? That's not it. Talk about what it is, but first we're going to talk about what it isn't. Because we all fall prey to what it isn't on a daily basis. So let's pray. Lord, this morning as we look at a heavy passage, words that were like, wow. Um, we come before you and just let you know that every single one of us, me included, in our own self prefer not to follow you. I think I can say that on our behalf. That left to my own, I, I would not choose to do what you want me to do, but because you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, you saved me. The, the, I'm heaven-bound, and, and, and many of us here are in the same boat. We're heaven-bound, but Lord, what about the in-between before we get to heaven? There has to be more. And there is. Because this can be a daily following of you. An everyday disciple is someone that just realigns our lives with you every day. And help us to live in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you could please stand as we read from Luke chapter 14. We're moving ahead to Luke just a tad. From where we were last week, Luke chapter 14. It'll be up on the screen as well. We're going to begin at verse uh, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes 
to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the others, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You can be seated. Those are some heavy verses. I mean, this is a, this is a high call. When it comes to salvation, it's wide open. God wants everyone. Right? I mean, he, he, his arms are open for all of us to come and meet him. And there are many people that are saved, that are going to go to heaven, that aren't on the path of discipleship, so to speak. I don't know who they are. I just know they're out there. I just know I used to be one of them. And I can tell you that there's a difference in me and, and following Jesus as a disciple versus I just gave my life to Jesus. Both are great. Both are heaven bound. But one experiences the Lord every day. And one nominally is involved and experiences the Lord here and there. So salvation cost Jesus his life. But here's something that we never want to talk about. Discipleship will cost you your life. Jesus is not impressed by the crowd that's following him. It's so awesome to watch this unfold in scripture because he knows in his heart what's in their heart. He knows what's happening. He knows why the crowds are there. So Jesus turns his attention to those who are professing loyalty to him because in verse 25, what we see is there's a delegation of people to Jesus. And then there's his disciples, the ones that we think about the 12 that are following him on a daily basis. And then there's a growing crowd of people that are just interested I mean, in our terms, like uh, Jesus is trending, so to speak. Okay, this is what's going on uh, for you older folks uh, who don't know that because I only learned because I have kids that know what trending means. Uh, Jesus was the flavor of the month. We all in now? We're, okay, we're good now. Um, it was cool to follow Jesus at this point. Like people are like, this, this guy's like healing people. He's saying he's, man, he's going against the man. He's going against the system. I want to follow this guy. This, let's do this. And Jesus senses this growing, you know, nominal fellowship of him. So Jesus turns to the crowd and he says some pretty harsh things. He uses the word hate in verse 26. And it's not exactly what we think about when we think about hate. Um, you know, like... I don't know. I, let's think of a relative. I hate my uncle. I don't. Um, 
I hate my job. I don't. I'm just telling you I don't. I'm qualifying that, right? Um, I hate my neighbor's dog. I do. Um, and, you know, those type of hates are something. But this is like, hey, my family believes this. And if I tell them what I believe, they're going to like, leave me because they're going to think that I actually hate them because I'm going against what they say. I'm living life for Christ and him alone. And that has caused a divide between me and my family. And though I love them, they feel like I don't. That's a hard place to be. And that's what Jesus is actually talking about. You ever see the movie, my big fat Greek wedding? I mean, phenomenal. It's, it's the stereotypical Greek family. Um, you know, they, they go through it. Well, they're trying to have their daughter, who's not married, meet a nice Greek boy, you know, and, and well, she falls in love with a white boy, you know, and, and, and he's Protestant. And actually, he doesn't even go to church. And she brings him home. And, you know, after multiple conversations, I believe the mother says something like this. Why do you hate me? You know, like, because she wants her daughter to marry Somebody that she wants, and it ends great, by the way. They even did a part two. Um, but this, this type of hate is like, I really don't believe what you believe, and so there's a rub between your relationship and my relationship, and somehow we get blamed for it. Like, we hate them, or we are intolerant, or whatever you want to use. But you see, we should detest anything that comes between us and more of God. Anything. It should turn our stomach. I promise you there were things, if you've been following the Lord for like five years, that year one turns your stomach. Year you know, one, these things didn't turn your stomach. But the more you follow Christ, the more that these things start to turn your stomach. You're like, I don't even want any part of that. I just can't be around it. Our appetite just continues to change more and more. What is keeping you from more of God right now? Because... Those things that we should detest, that we hold in more high value than God himself, those are what the Ten Commandments calls, you shall have no other gods before me. Anything that keeps us from more of God is an actual little G God in our life. That's just plain and simply what it is. And when we get to that point, we start to go, wow, this is me idolizing or worshiping something more or thinking about something more than, than God. That's why one of the things that I give up every Advent season is like sports radio. Oh my gosh. Like I can't stop listening to sports radio. It's just my, I just love it. But I know that that's a, that's a growing voice in my life that's so dumb. Who cares? Like when I'm dying on my deathbed, am I going to care about the game or about God? And my family. So, what are those little G-gods that you have that are keeping you from more of the big G-god? Verse 27, Jesus repeats what, he, what we talked about last week. If you don't want to listen, I'm, I'm going to talk about it for a few seconds, but listen to the podcast if you want to. But in short, being an everyday disciple is not easy. But it is not complex. We don't have to be like super strategic about this. We just need to surrender and follow him. 
Because what Jesus is saying to the people that are behind him in this scenario right here is this, basically. It is very easy to be part of the crowd, but it is not easy to carry a cross every day. Warren Wearsby writes it this way, that the Lord, in verse 23, which we didn't read, uh, we are invited to come in. Come in and, 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 and find salvation. But then we pick it up in verse 26, where the Lord invites us to carry our cross. Like, come carry your cross. Like, there's an invitation from God. And then there's another one. If you're going to do this, it's going to be by coming to me in obedience. I mean, these things are hard. This is hard to follow God this way. But it starts with making what we talked about last week, Christ the center of everything. Because Jesus says, I want your loyalty. I want to be primary in your life. I want to be the center of your life. And anything less than that, you're not experiencing me the way you're created to do. And he begins to illustrate this idea of a battle and building. Jesus is the master of like illustrations. Like he, he breaks it down for everybody to understand. Like you didn't understand trending some of you, right? What did I do? Broke it down to where you, like, like we literally just have to like communicate with people the way they understand. Like stop talking like a Christian. And start talking like a disciple. Because Jesus didn't talk like some of the Christians that I hear today. Jesus leaned in to the stuff that some Christians, quote unquote, would never get near. This is a high calling. But Jesus, when he talks about this illustration, his basic point is this. To, to show yourself as a disciple, there is an actual conscious commitment. A one-time commitment overall, yes, I'm going to follow you, but then there's this daily, I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you no matter what. Understanding the high cost of discipleship is like, Jesus is just like giving him a warning. Like, if you want to come after me, if you really want to come after me, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And you're going to have to be seen as someone that even hates your family about what you believe at times. You're going to have to, like, be ostracized. You're going to have to look weird and weak. I'm quite sure that some people departed at that point where they were like, no. Oh, Thank you. You know, off they go, type thing. Because Jesus is saying, this is not just theory. This is reality. This is what it's going to cost you. And how did Jesus know this? He'd experienced it, and where was he on his way to? Jerusalem to be crucified. At this very moment of talking about this. Like, clearly, he gets it. 
put it in our terms, it's something like, I need to have a conversation with a friend and it might cost me a friendship. Not because of like political beliefs, not because of like my stance on this or that, but because like what God's calling me to say to them or tell them or now don't go off and unload on people today and say, Jimmy told me to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. All right, pray if you like really pray about what maybe is coming to your mind. Because this is costly stuff the Lord is talking about. And I told you at the beginning that we would maybe even think like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to do more in order to be more of a disciple. That would make sense, right? The math would work. But I'd like to end by talking about this. We, by nature, will literally look at these verses and understand them to mean, in order to be more of a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to, in my own strength, I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to read Christian books more. I'm going to literally watch some Christian movies more. Most of them aren't that good, just so you know. There's some that are. Most of them are. Um, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to share Jesus more. All of those things are great. But when they're done in your own strength, if you've been following the Lord for any period of time, you know that that is a recipe for frustration and failure. You will feel worse if you say, I'm going to just do more. Because I'm going to be honest with you. They call the gospel good news. Jesus is talking about the good news of, of the fact that he came. Like, doing more does not sound like good news to me, does it to you? Not at all. But instead, the, the gospel of Jesus is an invitation. This is an invitation in what we read today, an invitation for freedom. Like freedom from the opinions of other people. Freedom from like panicking about a decision that you need to make. Freedom from, like, what's my future going to be like? And I'm not saying it's freedom from pain. Like, actually, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you will struggle. You will experience pain. I mean, as he tells his very disciples, like, you know, basically only one of you is going to live without being martyred. And that one was burned with oil. Another story. Like, this is a high call. But the good news is, is that we get freedom from anything that we value more than him. Because at the end of the day, that always lets us down. This message that Jesus was giving was so radically different. And, and we can even fall prey at times to like the Christian things and they can become those little G-gods. I remember years ago, we were, uh, Dee and I were, weren't even engaged yet. The O'Connors and I were going to Calvary Chapel and, and a friend of ours, John Volk, said this, and this was, I mean, I've been married for 29 years, so this was over 30 years ago, and I remember it. 
He said, sometimes even listening to Christian music can keep you from Christ. Oh, I was like, do tell, <laughs> like, tell me more. Like if God's telling you just to turn the radio off and be quiet before me, guess what? Listening to Christian music is not what is good for you. That's little G God. If God is telling you like, hey, uh, you know, uh, I want you to rest. And you're like, man, I'm going to go volunteer some more at church. That's a little G God. If you're like, I'm going to read the Bible front to cover in like a week. Well, good luck, by the way. But secondly, like, maybe God's just saying, why don't you just read a verse a day? Like there is freedom in Christ because we get to live the way that we are created to live. But it is a high calling to be a disciple of his. There is a cost. But discipleship is not about effort. It is about reorientation. It is reorienting our lives on Christ every day. Jesus knew that one-time reminders would not do it for us. That doesn't do it for us in anything, does it? So he says daily, I want you to reorient your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength on me. off of what the world offers and an invitation into what I offer, which is ultimately heaven, eternity. But here's the gospel. While we wait for him to return, we can experience him every day. And sometimes it's going to cost our very lives. Let's pray. Lord, this morning as we have talked about many things, really just a primary focus of anything we hold in higher regard than you is not what is best for us, and they can even be good things. But if you are not at the center of everything in our lives, we are not following you as we should. And I know I've been guilty of just wanting to do more. But really it's just the only more it is is more of a surrender and, and to like not care about the opinion of anybody or anything or our image or um, you know our future more than we focus on you. Help us to be people that do this, Lord. Being everyday disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen.